everybody. Welcome to Street Fight Radio, number one anarchy comedy show on any station across the nation. You know it well. You've been listening now for a while. We usually do a call-in show on Sunday nights, but our new studio down here is falling apart, so this is not your normal three-hour call-in show. This will be Brian and I putting together a show, talking, to, taking questions from, uh, you know, online, from the Street Fight group, from Twitter, whoever it may be. Thanks for joining us in this. Uh, people in the chat, you're going to have to chime in uh, with stories and questions so we can keep this thing rolling. Thank you for being here. You can find us on twitch.tv slash streetfightradio. You can find us on facebook.com slash streetfightwcrs, twitter.com slash streetfightwcrs, and youtube.com slash streetfightwcrs. Any of those platforms, you can watch the live stream of the show. If not, subscribe to it as a podcast. We're on iTunes and all the other Google, Android podcasting apps and also google play thanks for being here my name is brett payne my co-host is brian quinby and uh how is how's it going you, you right you, you pulled the plug on the call and that was me my fault i pulled the plug i didn't want to uh i just you know it get, once something gets so frustrating it's like it's probably worse to go on you know like probably yeah. worse to go on the air frustrated like that so I, I I pulled the plug because uh, nobody wants to hear me in a bad mood. I don't think. That's just my guess. Maybe that's why they show up. I don't think so. I don't think they consider my mood bad. Do you think that they consider my mood bad? No, they don't. But it, well, but it, it is bad. But it is. I know. Like, Brett, but you know like me. And all you people know me and live that live around me know that it's a bad mood. But they just think he's always so nice. Just crotchety. <laughs> I'm going to calm my mood with a little bit of Ivanovich's menthol tobacco-flavored vodka. And in my cup this week, I forgot I weighed out an eighth in this cup. So there's a whole bunch of extra shavings in the bottom here. Uh, (laughs) Nothing you do. Nothing you do is normal. What? You just can't be a normal human being. Well, I just don't want to dirty another cup. That's, I mean, nice of you, at least. This Um, This is my drinking cup. And when it dries up, it's my weighing cup. I guess I want to start the show with an announcement real quick because uh, scheduling was weird and that I had started scheduling third shows and stuff like that out kind of in a in a weird way where it's I'm, I'm out there. I'm scheduled kind of way out. Sure. Um, so I already had shows set up and I couldn't get them on the air. But uh, Brace. My buddy, my co-host of what we're calling the Brace and Brian show, it's like a once a month thing, is uh, working. He has uh, started to try to unionize the Anchor Brewing Plant in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend you follow these pages. Do what you can to help them if you're in the Bay Area. And it's goddamn fucking amazing, right? Like this guy, look, I don't know if he was salting, but... Uh uh, he's very good at it because he never fucking told me. I never got the impression he was salting that. Right, right. Not one time. Like, the way he told me was that, like, he was tired. I mean, he said it on the show. He was kind of like, I'm not going to be an author or a media personality. That was, like, not something he wanted to do. Right. So he made the decision to get a real job, and he was very excited to have a jumpsuit with a patch on it. That is nice. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just that brace 
that was what he wanted to do and i i believed him you know anybody that's met him or hung out with him he's a he's a character man he's like a he's a pretty crazy dude well he's uh brace knows one thing about this world it's a world of action not a world of contemplation or planning it's a world of doing yeah and if you do it that's how it happens Somebody in the chat is saying he talked about it on the shows. I, I never felt like he was talking about unionizing, but he has talked about problems he had with the company. I sort of... Ryan was busy thinking about his response. Yeah, I sort of suspected a little bit that something was going to happen there because he was just never happy with the pay or the yeah. hours or anything like that. And he's brace. And I don't think he does anything without a plan in right. the end. I mean, you said he's a guy of action. He is a dude of action, but he like does things kind of on his in his own way he's he's a fascinating guy to me obviously i do a show with him and yeah. uh he's he's a sweet dude brett got to meet him in in was very san francisco he's he's a crazy guy so no he's great he's the most normalist guy that was there you think so? yeah <laughs> you mean like normal as like he is like he's reacting appropriately to the world around him. I think the rest of us have are kind of lulled and are swimming with the fishes, and I feel like he's not at all. Yeah. So that's cool. That's I'm very happy for that guy. Uh, but I wanted to uh I want to get him out there and and uh tell people to you know find yeah, him on, on the Twitter news or something. Stuff. How like, he was on just news? on the news. Well, that's a big deal. It's the biggest that's a big brewery anchor, right? Like it, it is. I've oh, seen. Oh yes, I know. It was one shit. of the beginnings, man. That was like one of the first craft breweries that I had. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because I know their shit. Remember that time? Well, since we don't have any material, I guess I can just do this. Remember that time you bought that beer, thinking like, "Hmm, Red Hook was what it was called." And I it was did. Like really good packaging, and you were like very excited. You were like, "Red Hook beer, this is great. I'll have this Red Hook beer," and. uh then found out it was owned by Anheuser-Busch, like, right after he drank the first one. And yeah. you were in a real time in your life at that time when it came to Anheuser-Busch sure. beer. Yeah. So. I was not happy to it. It's always it. funny. Always yeah, I don't fun. like that shit. Yeah. Cause, well, you had just watched Beer Wars. Yeah, yeah. And you were very much, like, yeah, Beer trying Wars to avoid the it. truth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still do try to avoid giving them money. I know. Let me do something real quick because somebody just pointed out that the camera has an Amazon box behind me. Uh-huh. Like an advertisement. I'm going to do something. Brett, you talk to these people. It's right there. It's right there. It's that one. There you go. Boom. All right. Amazon, you're done. I got confused as hell because I thought it was on this side of me. And uh, so that was something. Yes. So. Oh, Rhett, you didn't know that either. Anheuser-Busch just buys craft breweries and uh, keeps the packaging. It's actually genius. It reminds me of the 90s and the early. No, this is like late 90s shit, right? When indie rock was really popular and all the major labels had like a, a, had like a, a, a imprint uh -huh. that was. Call, it was like Dave Grohl owns this imprint of this is his label, but it's really you're still buying records from like Capitol Records. Right, right. <laughs> they took so goddamn long, man, to figure all that stuff out. So, yeah, I saw that too. Uh, Rosa Button Butzenberg in the chat says New York got rid of Amazon HQ two and it's coming for Columbus, Ohio. Get ready. Uh I don't know. I don't I, uh, see it happening. 
but I don't know. I know that Columbus would be excited to have it. They that are. is something I believe. Like, yes. I think if they announced it here, the only two people pushing against it would be <laughs> me and Brett. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> think yeah. of one other person that would be against it. You can't. I don't know yeah. anybody. Yeah. I mean, just Columbus DSA and the ISO people and IWW, whoever. Yeah. Whoever's in town. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a hundred of us, maybe. Yeah, we would we have get like get together and do like a coffee, yeah, coffee night or something. Yeah, There's yeah, much about it. Yeah, I, I, I just they won't come here though. This is just not a romantic place to end up. I we're, guess we're just uh, everybody always thinks that we're gonna be like this big boom town, but we're like so far away from that. It's like has to be once everybody absolutely has to leave the coast is when this is gonna be huge. Yeah. You know, well, it happened in like Austin, Texas. You right, know? great weather and, there. And Seattle. and yeah, great, great uh, nature there. Well, but... Good it, locations. Yeah, sure, but it is... We're just safe as fuck here. Like, we're yeah, away we from are everything. Safe. We are safe. Um, there's I'm no sh- fucking tornadoes. There's no earthquakes, unless the fracking ones count. <clears throat> there's no, like, tsunamis or floods or any of that shit. No, that's true. Well, there's earthquakes now the fracking ones the new yeah the, they're new earthquakes right because they have un un uh what is it they've removed our part of the continental shelf from what it was by sure. digging under it to find uh remember when when we talked about how like i think i don't understand what fracking is and i just was like i don't know what the big problem is because i thought they were just banging holes in the ground and pulling gas out uh-huh. but it's worse than that yeah (laughs) there's like a chemical thing that goes on there that i've always been against it you don't dig don't dig underneath me you don't you're not allowed to dig underneath me at all yeah yeah i'm i mean that violates my space yeah and somebody said they do san francisco or omaha before columbus now i don't see san francisco happening because i don't think anybody's moving there at this point yeah that seems like space get away from there yeah it seems like columbus i think the thing that they think about columbus um is it is like it's a good place if you're trying to get an idea of what people all over the country are thinking because it's a diverse yeah kind of place and it's a that's why businesses tend to like and you can raise a family here and not and have it be like some sort of decent living you yeah. know yeah, I've never. I, there's people I work go to school with. I talk to that came from places like San Francisco and shit. Why in the I chat mean, we moved from D.C. for the same reason? We had a kid. You can't raise a fucking child in D.C. Right. The chat is talking about uh, how they've never felt earthquakes, and uh, I don't think I have either. I I know that we've had them, and we've had them in a way that people have said they felt them, but I was asleep. I don't even know what an earthquake feels like. I can't work out what that would feel like in my mind. You know, like when we had that one fracking earthquake, I was in an office building downtown and I felt I felt them felt it move just well, slightly. It just felt like the it was like a second. It wasn't even that long. I like that you called it a fracking earthquake because they would deny to the death sure. that that was a fracking <laughs> earthquake. <laughs> There's no way that they because I don't think they ever reported that it was a fracking earthquake. I think it was well, just, just me and you decided it was a fracking earthquake because oh there was never earthquakes here. Like this isn't people they showed up after the fracking. They came with the fracking. Agree. One hundred percent. All right. <clears throat> um, so. I don't know, man, did you. uh 
guess somebody just announced they were running for president today. Amy Klobacher. Oh, God. Klobacher. Klobacher. Yeah. Uh, two days before she announced that, a bunch of her employees said she's a mean boss. Yeah. I, so, uh, that's something. I gotta say, yeah, you can yell at her for being a bad boss, but the juicy shit is those comments where the people are like, you know, have these people never worked in their life before? Do they know what it's like to have a deadline? And it's like, well, I mean, you... Yeah, but like you don't you don't get beat up or like abused if you don't meet a deadline. You just get fucking fired, right? You can't throw shit at no, people. You can't it doesn't throw shit. matter what your field. Like I yeah. can't throw shit at Jason, right? You know, and I'm in a field where like anything fucking goes. Sure. I'm supposed to be an anything goes kind of That's guy. True. That's true. I if I threw something at him, people would be like, "What a fucking asshole!" You know. What a fucking jerk. They just come walking in while Jake's packing stuff and throw some, throw a binder at him. <laughs> what the shit are you doing? <laughs> it might be funny. Well, yes, it's funny. <laughs> Back when I was a kid, there was, we were like hanging out at this dude's house. It was like a bunch of us. And uh, running in and out, grabbing ass. And you know what I mean? Like just the way you did during the summer. Yeah. When you were a teenager and there was just nothing to do. We're like running around, we're grab assing. Uh, this dude's sitting on a couch with me, and another guy comes around the corner and smacks him in the face with a tennis racket. <laughs> and he got so fucking mad. <laughs> in the front of the face. Like, right, right. He's just, just sitting on a couch, and he comes around the corner and is like, whack. Like, <laughs> And that's the best when you go to around that corner and you like fucking slip too. You're so fired up and you fall. <laughs> so funny, man. Trying to chase somebody. Yeah. I just recently, I love videos now, those videos now where a guy will be like rapping to the camera in front of his computer and the guy next to him just punches him in the face. <laughs> I haven't seen those. Oh my God. Is there a hashtag for that? Like I don't know. Reddit? I don't know. I recently saw one of a guy is just like sitting in front of his like computer. He's got his mic set up. He's got everything set up and he's like rapping and shit. And all of a sudden a fucking fist just whacks him in the face. one time. Jackass really kicks ass because they, they opened up a kind of violence that we didn't even fuck with when we were younger in a way like i never we never punched each other in the face that was oh, always no, kind no. of an off limits yeah you're not supposed to punch each other in the face no, that, we would kick each other in the balls yeah though. like yeah. we did everything yeah you know contests yeah. where you would stand up me and you ought to do this on stage sometimes see how tough we are that those those uh stand up and you kick each other in the back of the legs until somebody falls down okay <laughs> you take <turns. laughs> You kick them, you kick them like right here in the back of the legs, and if you hit, if your knees hit the ground, you lose. Like people would pay to watch us do that. Sure, sure, <laughs> yeah. We called the bullying games, twenty nineteen. Yeah, we did that a lot, man. Had this guy that could climb the light poles outside. We could do like, a, oh, I can't say it. Never mind. Yeah, Sorry. don't say anything. Oh yeah, I know. Don't it all, say it anything bad from names. when you're a child. Yeah, I know it has bad names. So yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> this one. Yeah. See yeah. how long? Oh, I mean, Indian burn, right? Yeah. Is that what that was? Well, everything that hurt was but Indian I meant, like, when I was the, a kid. Yeah. The country, like, India. When my daughter was in uh, preschool. American. When my daughter was in preschool, they called sitting, what we called it, sitting Indian style, they called it crisscross applesauce, 
But then they played a game when I was – we used to play a game called Stuck in the Mud when I was a kid uh -huh. where it was freeze tag, but you had to crawl through the frozen person's leg to unfreeze them. That's Stuck in the Mud. Yeah, yeah. They called it fucking Chinese tag. <laughs> This is at my daughter's preschool. Yeah. This was way after you were allowed to call things that were like backwards or weird Chinese. Yeah. When I was a kid. We haven't got there yet. I don't think so. Charlotte hasn't told me any weird game names yet. No, you, your kid goes to the wrong school for any racial kind That's of true. game name. She goes to the, like a, a more progressive school. Like, we talk about this a lot in my house, but like the preschool I put my daughter in, uh, there was a cheaper one, but it was at like a church and everybody went there and I didn't want my daughter to go to school at a church. For sure. Cause I have this thing about, uh, separation of church and state. <laughs> no, I'm not like a super, You're like a framer of the constitution. I am like a framer of the, I'm not, a, a um, what's the word? Like, I'm not a super atheist okay. in that like super, like, like Demi. Oh, yeah. I'm not a, but I also like. When your kid is really young, exposing her to those things, like f when she's shaping her her view of the world and her perspective to let them take a hand in shaping yeah. it yeah, that's true. Yeah. is probably not the best idea. I never I've had You know, you know they play the classic name games too there still. Oh yeah. And I and I have actually had people DM me on both Twitter and Facebook and and like talk about oh my parents uh my parent my grandma is really religious or my mom is really religious and i hate leaving my kid with her because she does religious shit yeah and and i'm always my advice is always like it doesn't matter see because as long as you instill your values on them yeah uh your grandparents and your and and your parents are going to be who they are, and they're always going to have to come to terms with who their grandparents are, yeah. right? Yeah. So it that, to me, not a big deal. Not a huge deal at all. It doesn't matter if your parents have a fucking Bible for her, yeah. a kid's Bible. It's sending her to a school for five days a week for eight yeah. hours a yeah, day. Yeah, that's a lot. Is, is more than I would want to do. Yeah. I think people worry too, like, people worry a lot about, well, when kids are when, because when you have a kid and they're really young, people have like, I just strange fears. Yeah, yeah. that I've noticed. You know, yeah. I, I mean, now that I have a teenager, the fears have gotten even weirder. Sure. Yeah, you're right. I mean, people just make up disaster scenarios and like they just think that they're preparing themselves, but you're not. I mean, if it's a disaster scenario when it happens. Just because you thought about it your whole life, it doesn't mean that when it happens, you're going to be like less fucking shocked, you know? Right. I've always had that thing about, uh, we were just talking about it. My wife and I were, we were alone and we were talking about like uh, how weird it is that the first thing that a lot of people say to you when they find out you have a teen daughter is they start talking about sex. Yeah. Like, immediately. Yeah. Just this, the first thing they fucking think of is sex. And then the second thing is drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know if this is a weird way to think about it, but I don't feel like I own her. And, and like, uh, I don't have like dominion over her body. 
Yeah. I don't feel like. And uh, if she's. But you got, I don't know. You kind of, you got to get in her ear about it though. Right. I'm about steering. You're yeah. exactly right about that. I am about like passively steering. I want to be in the passenger seat of her car navigating a little bit. Yeah. It's but like, she doesn't have to do what I'm telling her. It's like you know, one of those having one of those dogs that can just be off leash and you can kind of whistle or make a noise or snap and it just stays with you. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Because yeah, I like we talk to her about sex. I mean, my house is pervertville USA now. It's uh-huh. like more pervy than I'm comfortable with. These okay. Days. Okay. Just constant penis. What about what? Just constantly penis. Just bringing it up is funny. Oh, she loves talking about that stuff. Okay. She'll never do it on. I know people like get her on the show and have her talk pervy. Yeah, She'll yeah, never yeah. do it. Right. But I just, she. Well, You're using a lot of nevers on this show. I feel like she's got a long time ahead four of years. her. Four years from now, maybe I can get her on and get her to say penis and, <laughs> yeah. and slob on my knob, which is something that she really likes to fucking say. I don't yeah. know if it's like part of a song now. It's TikTok. Is what it is. She goes on TikTok and they'll pick songs randomly. Yeah. And it'll be songs. Then 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 they start singing those songs. Did some kid take, you know what? That's funny that you brought that up. So Slob on My Knob is a fucking 3-6 Mafia song from back in my day. But I'm willing to bet that somebody took it again because Jake came over to do shipping this week. And we basically just listened to Rap Caviar on Spotify and then kept going, man. Do you think young people know that this came that he where they got this from? Like we were just so old man, just like I know. like this. This is a three six mafia beat. That's juveniles flow that he's doing. Do do kids even know that, or is, no. he, is he just allowed to fucking steal juveniles fucking steez and do it? Right, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's like my dad used to yell at me and say shit like, uh, uh, cor- uh you know, if it wasn't for Led Zeppelin, there probably be, wouldn't even be a club. Right, right. You know, or or like the Beatles. Like, like, if it wasn't for the Beatles, do you think you'd be listening to Limp Biscuit right now? And I'm right. like, yeah. Right, but I've had to choose between eliminating one of those artists forever. The Beatles are going in the trash and Limp Biscuit staying forever. You know, <laughs> right now, Dad, I mean, it's, it's irrelevant. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go to the club. I'm going to start like, could you listen to my headphones? I want you to listen to this. Yeah, this is back from 1998, okay? This is like way way ahead of its time. And these kids these days are actually ripping this off. Yeah, yeah, It's a crime what they're doing in the club right now. I guess it does, in a way, make, uh, for me, it's like, oh, I care. I want people to know my history. That is Uh, the impulse that I think you're living on. Is that you want people, no, I I'm not saying I just want people to like stuff the right way. Yes. Deeply. But with knowledge. I have respect. I've come to this new thing where I think rap might have it all figured out. Because they take people because with rap, you have one or two people that are at the top of their game that everybody's listening to. You know? And and I can trace this back to I can Gucci Man. Then comes uh, two chains. Then comes uh, future, and now we're at. Uh, I'm trying to think of who we're at right now. But twenty one, man, twenty one savage, yeah. And, and like, the, it kind of just rolls that way, and then they kind of go away. They still have their, they still have their following when they come out with stuff. But there's then this like one bigger thing, and there's not like a, a weird historical record of the other <laughs> stuff. If you get into rap. Now, 
then you're going to be a 21 Savage fan and you might go back and listen to some of the old stuff, but it doesn't, that old stuff doesn't fucking matter. It's right. what happens from here on. Right. And you can just jump in the stream. and it's going to refresh right. every couple of years. And then you don't have this thing like the Rock and Roll people, Hall of Fame. Or like comic where, books where people, there's all this back catalog. Right. And where all these people are like, you're bullshit. Oh, you haven't heard the White Album? What the fuck is wrong with you? And it's like, you don't have to have heard any of that stuff. And I think that is the prime music <clears throat> way to like music. Like, it's okay if you like old shit. I still listen to George Jones. I still listen to uh, Waylon Jennings a lot. I, I, like, I listen to a lot of like 80s and 70s country. I love that shit. It's probably my favorite kind of music. But I would never get in some motherfucker's face that's trying to listen to Florida Georgia Line and start screaming at them about how they don't know nothing about George Jones. It doesn't make any sense to be mad at them. You're, oh, I'm not mad. If you're a fucking, I'm not saying you're mad. I'm saying like <laughs> if you're a 15, like a 15 year old, like I want them to reject my culture in a way. Like I want my daughter to reject my pop culture i think like yeah. i'm okay with that no i'm fine with it. I, I don't care i expect it to happen and i've seen it happen with other stuff too there, it happens with all parts of life yeah that, like tattooing <coughs> went from criminals to reality tv to, <coughs> to now they're doing like stick and poke is like the hottest thing in the world and then it feels like everybody that is my age that paid thousands of dollars to have like realistic portraits put on their body kids are like Oh, I want my buddy to just do this devil on the back of my knee, you know, at this party. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's also people that are really good at it, too, that do some incredible work. <coughs> Push the boundaries in different ways. You yeah. Know? Get yeah. to try new shit. It's like <coughs> refresh old stuff. They do a good job. I, I listen to. <coughs> Sorry. I listen to more modern music. That's like my my biggest would be an in indie music. I I listen to more modern bands that are very derivative of other stuff that I like, you know, I really like it when someone like can carry the torch and, and like when someone says this band sounds exactly like the Beatles, I'm like, great. This is like new Beatles though. This is new music. It isn't the same fucking songs we've heard a million times. You know, I'm not, I'm surprised by this music a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of danger here. I actually think in a perfect world, uh, old bands would just do what Thursday is doing on this tour. Right. That is the perfect world where you take your most beloved albums and you just play them straight fucking through. And that's what a classic rock concert is now. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot of times, look, I'm not a guy, like I go, I go to shows, you know, like I go to, uh, I go to concerts, all different kinds of concerts. But I've noticed like when me and you went to go see uh, Corn, right? They like didn't play any of the right songs. In my opinion. Really? It was just, they, well, we knew like three songs in that set. And I have a decently extensive knowledge of corn. Okay. More than three, wasn't it? Oh, God, Freak on a Leash. Uh, nothing, I don't think, from the first album, if I can remember correctly. Maybe Blind or, or something. I don't know. No, they did Are You Ready, yeah. Yeah. They did the Are You Ready. It's just, do you want. I got to I, hear that. Peop, Finally. People that are seeing corn are there for nostalgia. They're not there for the new shit. And it's the same don't thing with that motherfucking... Like that. They, don't want, they want new stuff. I know. It makes... I know that... Because I, I support, like, the King Con method where you just make new music all the time and then just keep making it. Yeah. Never stop, right? Okay. Oh, but oh, I know what you mean, though. 
Oh, 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 somebody in the chat just said something that I have to, uh, oh, oh, here we go. We got some questions here. Old people say Steve's. I'm an old person. Brett, That's what's your opinion on Greta Van Fleet? I like them. I played them and I love them. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I like the music. I know nothing about them. I'm not, I'm not threatened by 20 year old guys that look handsome and have great hairlines and great abs and shit. <laughs> well, you're handsome and you have great hairlines I and don't. you're getting abs. But, um, so it's like really, no, I wouldn't I, feel threatened. I if think I they're were. great. No, I really like their songs, man. I think it's good. I like Wolf Mother too. I like, I, I don't have no problem with that. I think it's a good sound. Like Led Zeppelin was definitely fucking onto something, right? Why yeah. why can't someone go back and revisit that kind of vibe, I guess? You know, they do enough. I guess for me, I don't like uh, Led Zeppelin very much. Sure. So I don't like Greta Van Fleet Makes very sense. much. It's not like if some, but I'll say this. If somebody came out and did fucking Lou Reed type shit, I would fucking go crazy for it. Yeah. If somebody came out and did like Hunky Dory era david bowie shit i'd go fucking nuts for it it's just my classic rock taste because i always There's, you have to just search yeah you have to listen to a lot of shit to find that i'm pretty hard on classic rock um somebody asked me about eric church i don't think i've listened to him but some of these like new country guys i don't feel get gross enough in a way i guess i like chris stapleton but that album seems really clean to me uh -huh. in a way like uh but I still like it. And I like Sturgill Simpson. Uh, but I, I just, there's, I like the real honky tonk type shit. Like, but sure. I think it, when Dangerous. I try to explain my country music taste, it's really hard because I like, uh, I like, um, what am I trying to say? I like, like David Allen Coe. I really like, I like Waylon Jennings. I like uh, George, jo like it's that, there is a type of country music that I really enjoy. I don't like really love bluegrass. I don't really love uh, folk country, like Johnny Cash type stuff. Like not a huge fan of that, but I really like, uh, there is that kind of old country that I like, but it's usually like guys singing about being in a bar and missing their girlfriend or sure. what. They sure. love their wife. Yeah. I basically, all my favorite songs are about partying or being sad because you can't have the woman that eternal you eternal entanglement <laughs> eternal love i, I maybe i am maybe <clears throat> with fits with do fits you, of disruption do you see yourself as a love guy are you like a romantic guy i'm not i'm I, a romantic i'm not guy, i mean eric yeah me and eric had the conversation today about unconditional love and i was just like uh you know, I do not unconditionally love you. <laughs> there are conditions. Unconditioned means there's no conditions. There's some shit you could do to me that I'll fucking leave you. So I got to let you know that you're on notice, I guess. And she was like, that makes sense. She's like, that's the same. She's like, I mean, I could forgive you for some stuff, but I can't say without any conditions at all. Yeah. Merle Haggard kicks ass. Is this somebody in chat was talking about Merle Hack? Yes, I love Merle Haggard. But I'm rom I, I'm romantic. I get swept up in lovey stuff. I cry in movies or like I really love it when like characters are written perfectly and then they like finally, you know, get to uh you know, they finally both understand that they like each other. Um so Oh no. I do and I watch I, I like the rom coms even a little bit. 
We, me and my wife watch a lot of those. I don't like romantic movies. I like. I oh like, shit! Somebody in here said Boston. Yes, I will listen to Boston, but only uh, ironically. <laughs> mm, ah, there's a caveat. I'm a love guy. Like anytime somebody's in love, I love them. Like I look at them and I'm like, follow your heart, baby. Go okay. do what you gotta do. You know, be in love. When you went to Dallas, that was probably not the best thing for my career, right? Sure. Yeah. But I was never for a second mad because I was just like, oh motherfucker. Follow this lady across the country. Really? I always, I'm, I'm just. You like, were just like, man's got to do what a man's got to do for the woman he loves. When someone, no, when somebody loves somebody so much that they have to go to them, they have to go with them and be with them, and they can't picture their life without them. I think it's fucking beautiful, and I think it's great, and I wish everybody had it because, like, that's how I am. Like, I mean, not everybody needs it. I don't know. I can, I can, uh, I, I think it's good. I, I know not everybody needs it, but I think it's good when somebody, ha- like, if you love hard, like I do, I mean, dude, I, when I was in the 10th grade, I dated a girl for three weeks and she said, I love you to me. And I didn't say it back. So she broke up with me and I cried for three days in <laughs> yeah, my room, tough. like alone. Uh, yeah. And, uh, that's tough. <laughs> Yeah, I just every time a girl broke up with me, I cried like crazy. I've cried to Katie a few times when we were just getting in fights, you know, like we were just getting in a fight, and I'd be yeah, like, God. "Are you gonna break up with me?" And I oh, get all you sad. You are fucking I'm emotionally manipulative. <clears throat> no, it's not that. It's like I would do you it alone. I would never say, out, it. "Man, I would never do it." I did in front of her a few times, but like I thought she was gonna break up with me for the first seventeen years we were together. Yeah, I but, can. I believe that. I just started getting comfortable. Sure. In the past, like, three years. You're not going anywhere. It's not. No, it's not. (laughs) It's not not going anywhere. It is you wouldn't have put up with all the 17 years worth of stuff and then left when it started. Right. Now it's about to be tight. Yeah. It's about to be money and free time. (laughs) Travel and shit. Yeah. No, I, well, and it's not even just that. It's just, you know, you you think about like even like I, I could even say my relationship with you. We've been doing something for eight years, and it's like, well, he wouldn't stick around for fucking eight years if he didn't like me. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like I'm trying to do that in my mind, but I think there are so many dudes out there now that uh, I love Fiddler. By the way, somebody said we should check him out. I'm a yeah, I'm a huge fan we, of Fiddler. We played him a few times. Yeah, yeah. Back in the old days. But um, I, uh, I, I, I had a really hard time thinking like, you're going to end up alone. You're going to end up alone. You're going to end up alone. Everybody's going to leave you. And it was this weird thing about like, people are only hanging out with me out of a sense of obligation and loyalty, which is a very, that gets a damaging thing. It's a shitty thought to have. Right. That's like so bad. When'd you like, if you take that motherfucker and put it on the table right now, I mean... What a bad thought. Right, right. But I know it. I know. I mean, I know what you're talking about. Like, right. And well, it comes from, it just seems natural, but it comes from an ugly place. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where, like, you think because it's one of the, like, my wife does this a lot. I'm not, she's not going to be mad. I told on her about this. She always does the, am I a bad parent? And because I had the thought to say, am I a bad parent? Does that make me a bad parent? You know? 
Yeah, yeah. Like that recursive thought. Like you can't get yourself out of that. Nope. Right? No. I mean, and if, it's if, the same, yeah, yeah, it's the if, same thing. If the kid, I, no, nobody that I know personally is a bad parent. I don't think anybody, because everybody's heart's in the right place and they're all trying to do the right things. Yeah. I mean, and, and like, yeah. You, and, um, you can't be a bad parent if you're doing the right thing. If you're engaged, I mean, on, honestly, it's just paying attention to them. And you're, ne- you're not going to do anything right. You're going to do things your way. And then your kid will have to figure it out. My parents did nothing right, but they did it their way. And then I eventually got the life that I wanted, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I wouldn't have done. I, I don't. My, our house isn't. My house doesn't look anything like the one I grew up, grew up in. You no, know? me neither. My, and, it's, everything's different. And, but, and even the vibe is a million times different. It's a matter of, like you said, just trying to steer the ship a little bit. Just being in there, being in the vehicle, going along for the ride with the kid is enough. Yeah. That's why that's what people like the parents that I have that like try to always give me their mess, like what if my kid does this, what if my kid does that or what if I'm doing this wrong right now and it turns into this. I'm like, I mean, just trying your best, that's enough. Don't don't be fucking stressed about it, you know? Like the food and the shelter and all of that and the rest of it is going to be fine, you know. And like a lot of their, it's, I mean, it's when it's like, if you're, neg- it's like neglect and abuse, like the horrible shit is the stuff you have to avoid, the traumatic shit, right? And if you're, if, if you're, if you don't follow someone's wishes on a peanut butter sandwich or something, it's not the end of the fucking world, you know. Right. A thing that or I don't you, think, or if you if you give in too much to to their requests about it, or are too much of a hard ass, like it's you, it's however you do things, you know. Fuck. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just deal with a lot of... I just have to stand in the playgrounds and listen to people come up with these cockamamie stories about what their fucking kids' lives are going to be. And I'm just like, why are we using the mental energy on this shit right now? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not yeah, there's, there's There's a lot of, like, people with young kids yes. so often yes. uh, don't understand how... Uh, uh, how much they change over how much time, like how little what you do when they're three right. even means when they're five. Right. And, and like mine's 14 now and, and just none of that. I mean, I'm sure the general vibe around the house and the way that you handle things is the most important yeah. thing has nothing to do with like, Hey, I'm getting you into a thing. I'm getting you into basketball so you're ready to play basketball and you understand all this shit. You know, right. you understand commitment and teamwork and right. stuff like that. Like that stuff, I don't think any of that stuff means shit. Like forcing your kids to do stuff right. so that they're prepared for something. It's like as long as you make things right. Uh, and available and support what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I And, I, and, uh, and it really is just... Um, one of those uh, weird things that that like parents of child of girls, I think, might go through it a little bit more because they freak out about like patriarchy shit, and uh, it's just uh, don't yeah. don't worry, raise them. Your goal is to prepare them for these things when they're young. Yeah, and if that's your what way gets people crazy though, right? But if your way of prep preparing is uh just talking and saying like uh fretting. yeah worrying about it yelling at them uh giving them a bunch of new requirements and and like making up new rules and things like that for them 
that's not going to work. I don't think that works. But I, 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 you know, I've talked to my wife. I, we were talking about this the other night. It's like, I don't think Gwen's going to be afraid to ask about birth control. Like, yeah. I don't think I've created a house right. where if my daughter was thinking about having sex, she wouldn't come to me and, like, be like, what about birth control? I need to get condoms and yeah. shit like yeah. that. Yeah. I've My house is a place where you can talk about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, uh, an example that I can give you is, like, when I talk to her about drugs as a teenager, a lot of times what I say is, you know, like, you're going to have, like, a whole life ahead of you to do drugs. When you're 18, 19, 20 years old, yeah. you're going to be able to do all the drugs you fucking want. Any drug you want to try, it's going to be out there for you to try. Uh, it's not a good idea now. And people who use drugs when they're a teenager are fucking losers. <laughs> and I, I did. I, 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 she's like, didn't you use drugs when you were a teen? I was like, yeah, I was a fucking loser. Like you don't end up in a good place if right. you start this shit it's, early. It sets you up for yeah. You can be pretty tough to bounce back from. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I um yeah. I mean that's the way to do it, and that's why I would say with my kid is, um, she has good manners just because I have good manners. That's why. That's the only reason why. It's not because I yell at her when she doesn't say sorry or thank you or any of that stuff. It's just because I say sorry and thank you. She knows when to say it. You know. I like to teach them how to be sorry. Is something yeah. that, that like I I I worked really hard on on like because sometimes you can teach them to say sorry, but like there ain't no sorry feelings yeah. in that sorry. <laughs> yeah, we've done that. We do that today. <laughs> there today we so she broke this iPad case that we have, and we were like, well, you know, you, you this is broken now. We're gonna have to replace it. It costs money. You know, money is how we get food and how we get more squishy toys, you know. So, like, this is costing us money and that. And she's like, all right, I, I can just watch shows up on the TV upstairs yeah. in your room. And I was like, well, no, it's more than that. It's like you got to pay. Like, you got to respect this stuff. You got to apologize, you know. We spent money on this, you know. This could have been food. I mean, Gwen used to think you could just say sorry and the whole thing was over. Right. The whole right. fucking thing's over. Now yeah. I said sorry. Right. Eh, I don't know about that. Right. It'd be cool if that was the way it worked. And and I know a lot of adults that think that way. And I will say that uh, I think that way sometimes when I'm in a fight. Sure. So I kind of under, like even yeah, we're all easy. such imperfect people. But I know that I have said really mean shit to my wife. And then when she gets offended by it, I've said, I'm sorry. And then she doesn't like immediately accept right, my like, apology. Okay and it's I'm like, well, a... fuck you then. Right. You know? That's supposed to be the off switch for bad for feelings, right? <laughs> yeah. I said sorry, so now you can't feel bad. That's the rules. <laughs> You're not allowed to be mad at me anymore because I said sorry is not the right way to be sorry. No, no. I, you know, I, like I apologize maybe too much. I'm a, I'm a guy that no matter if I say something that I think was wrong, I will shoot a text when I leave or whatever and be like, Oh, I'm very sorry. I just don't have a lot of self-confidence, you know? Yeah. You know, me and my wife go back and forth because I point, I, I try to point stuff out. I don't, I like, I don't like to be constantly saying, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's funny. May make fun of Midwestern people. Cause we apologize for everything all the time. And I try not to do that. I try, I I'm like making an attempt, but uh, with my wife, it's, I will say something like, 
you know, two hours later, you know what? Uh, I said this weird comment that I think might have insinuated something else and I didn't want to be that or this or that. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Now I know that I was me like working up something that, you know, or like she'll tell me. Uh, your if brain. And if it's too much, you know, but also it's good to check in. I mean, I, it's through a lot of checking in because I used to always, I used to always beat myself up about not getting like chores done or not getting enough stuff done. And I thought that she was mad at me or like disappointed that I was staying home all day and not getting anything done, even mm-hmm. though I was getting like so much fucking done, but it wasn't enough. I was beating myself up about it. And then she was like, you know, after six months of like being in a horrible fucking mood about it, I talked to her and she was just like, I think it's great what you're doing. I'm so glad that the laundry is done and that there's food. What are you talking about? Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, I've been like crucifying myself every day, you know, because I, mean, I didn't get everything checked off my fucking to do list. I mean, I, I will say that I have this memory of uh, when we recorded the er, the first podcast we did, our, our earliest you know, the murder rebel radio thing. When we were doing that, I have this like memory of, uh, this was probably two or three months after I quit my job. Uh, I hadn't started getting financial aid yet, but I had a big pile of money that I bought an ounce of weed with. So I had a bunch of weed and we had a bunch of food and everything was okay, but we were really broke. We just didn't have any money. And we were kind of borrowing money from like creditors and shit like that. It was just doing everything we could to have some kind of money to live some kind of life and have a kid and buy diapers and all this shit. And, uh, my wife like looked at me and was like, Hey, uh, I'm not really happy right now. And, uh, shit is not going well. And I thought things would be easier than this. And like, I took that to believe that she wasn't happy with me. Yeah. And that she was angry with me. And it totally fucked me up, man. And I remember going to the podcast and being so down and sad about it. I think I we were like talking to the other three of you about like she's gonna fucking she's gonna move out of the house. And like I've had that that's like one of two meltdowns that happened. The other one was with the drugs, and I thought she was passing secret notes with my sister in law. Uh-huh figuring out an apartment for her and Gwen to go to move to, to live with her. And like, I just always had this thing in my mind that I was like, Wait, what, razor's drugs were you edge. On? what drugs were you on when you uh, had that? Opioids. Oh, okay. I was okay. on painkillers and I wasn't really smoking weed or anything. Like it was just painkillers, but it okay. was like the middle of a major addiction. And it was a really fucking weird. Uh, it was just a really weird like thing. And I think back on it now about how insecure I was in my relationship that like, I, how do you enjoy life like that? How do you enjoy being with somebody if you feel like you're on the edge all the time yeah. of them just getting up and fucking leaving? Yeah. You know? I don't know if maybe it was like teenage relationships. I had like really bad experiences and my teenage years with it with yeah the, they're all bad i mean when people yeah. count high school really I'm mean, high school shit doesn't count at all that's right. nothing real life about that like mm-hmm. you have to be paying bills to be in a relationship with somebody right i was actually dying yesterday uh watching that show big mouth yeah uh their valentine's day special oh erica we want to see that yeah they, they did a valentine's day special and there's a scene where a guy where one of the kids proposes 
marriage to one of the other kids and they're in like eighth grade and i fucking knew this dude that bought this girl yeah, so much i've jewelry. seen that yeah promise so rings dude promise rings yeah that's fucked up man that's a really bad th- we have to thwart that in our culture i don't think it's happening we i mean there were a lot of 16 year olds that had like fucking wedding bands on <laughs> i know and, and it's gonna be that way until we die that's no. the world we live in there's two things that are gonna be here until we're never gonna see them go away teenagers uh, trying to hand over their life to another teenager. Yeah. <laughs> and Marvel movies are the two things that are going to yeah. be here until we die. And it's just make your peace with, <laughs> with okay. that. Fine. Teenagers are going to get over their heads I'll give in it relationships. Yeah, that's dude. true. That's true. You, like, you know my kid like has a crush on somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been there when she talks about she's, this person. And you're right. And it, it's the rest of her life is what she's picturing. Yeah. Yeah. And the way she talks about it is just like, holy shit. And I just had so many friends when I was a kid that like would just be in like just so. And I just, I knew this guy that dated this girl for like three years when I was in high school. And uh, he was one of my best friends. And he was spending on on anniversaries and holidays and shit, like hundreds of dollars on her for gifts. Sure. Like kids don't spend hundreds of dollars on anything for anybody but themselves, really. But this dude, you know, he had a little extra money. He was able to buy her like gold necklaces and nice. bracelets and shit like that. And uh, they when they broke up, in the 11th grade, I think it was, it was so devastating. It was such a devastating thing. And in the Not end, really now, though. I think it's a little strong. Sure. I mean, those things are nothing like in the, in the rearview mirror of life. Those things are nothing. Yeah. 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 That's true. I was weird about like, I just wanted a girlfriend, you know, it's one of those guys that like, my dream was just to have a girlfriend, like almost yeah, like a like, possession, yeah, a possessive sort of thing. Yeah, like male patriarchy. Yeah. You're, you're so, still very much in that club. Set, like <laughs> true. But no, it was, I don't know if I was really in love with any, like get when I a had girl. a crush. All the, all the movies are about getting a girl. Every movie that comes out, it's about getting girls. Right? Yeah. 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 It is. And you and your hapless friends like have to solve this fucking puzzle of how to deal with another human being, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it just felt like, uh, oh, wouldn't it be great to have somebody call me every night and and ask me how I'm doing? And, and because, you know, you're a teenage boy in Groveport, Ohio. Like, all the people you talk to are other teenage boys, and they're, like, telling you to suck their dick all the time and like, saying fuck you and kicking you in the ass and punching uh-huh. you in the shoulder. Right. It's just like, maybe I just wanted somebody to be Some nice to me. it up. Yeah. <laughs> somebody said we need a good getting divorced movie. You know, that movie 500 Days of Summer, we can all make fun of that now, I'm sure, like, in the past, but... I still feel like that was a really great movie that was really realistic. And uh, I really, 
I think that's like I don't remember. I want to show it to my daughter really oh, bad. Yes. They don't get back together. Oh, I do remember you. that. Yeah. I was thinking of the Adam Sandler movie, Fifty First Dates. <laughs> that was like that's that was different than what I was thinking. I got you. No, it was just about this like year long relate year and a half yeah. long relationship that ended and never got back together yep. and you got to see the breakup and and all that stuff like that. And uh I think that's fucking cool. Yeah, you no, know? that's like, right. No, that's life. That's honest. It's like anti-Hollywood. Well, you were, I mean, I've been with the same woman since I was 19 mm -hmm. and I'm 40. So I don't have a, like a ton of experience, but yeah. you were in a long relationship yeah. with me and you started hanging out Yeah, that ended. And like, I mean, honestly, it didn't seem like it fucked you up that bad, but it, I'm sure it did, you know, because I didn't know you that well. We didn't talk that much at that time, but it was just one of those yeah. Like, I always think about things like that. Like, when you're in those year two long relations, like, what would it be like? Because I've never experienced it. What would it be like to be, like, fully integrated in it's another scary. person's life yeah. and in another person's family? And your whole world is all of these. Your whole world is these people that surround you and, and everything. And you're just like. I'm done. I'm walking away from this fucking yeah. thing. It's bad, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, I mean, it's like, you know, quitting substances. It's like, uh, it's like going to the gym. It's like eating healthy. It's one of those things where you can't imagine your life being different. There's no possible way that my life could be different and that I'd be happier, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of have to believe in the impossible. Yeah. You have to believe that I can separate from this situation that's making me miserable i have to acknowledge you have to acknowledge it's making you miserable you have yeah. to acknowledge that but i think that's you hard. don't want to it is that to me seems like the hard thing because because it's convenient and it's and it's and it's what you know right and it's all I, the set it's it's i just, was and, and i was cheating the whole time on i was cheating the whole time yeah. I was in that relationship <laughs> for years and years and years the reason that it probably didn't fuck me up is because i had like compartmentalized in my brain over so many years I just went in this slow descent out of this thing. Like I had been hyping myself up for probably a year or two before I even fucking got out of it. Yeah. It was like what, you know, and honestly what it took was meeting you and meeting, uh, the people, you know, Adam and the people that we hang out with. Um, because I think it just immediately, I knew the differences between the people in my life then and the, and what you were on y'all were on to. Yeah. Yeah. And, Everything I was, I was trapped in like conventional suburban fucking territory, like just looking at, you know, a life of alcoholism and denial and, uh, you know, a cheap wooden pine box to get buried in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When no fucking nothing, least everything, least hot tub, least deck, least <laughs> fucking motorcycle, all of it. Yeah. Um, but I think that like, you know, at the time there was just this riff happening in our relationship where I wanted to be downtown and I wanted to be in the action and I wanted to do more stuff and, uh, meeting up with y'all and everything. It just like, it was everything I needed to see. It was just like one minute I looked around, I was like, all right, these people are a little bit more self-actualized than the people I'm hanging around with. Right. Yeah. So I'm fucking going to skedaddle. <laughs> like I'm done. Yeah. I think I can make it. I think there's other people out here that are doing what they want and being successful and living for themselves, making their own family, all that stuff that I believe in. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty rough. I, I just think that I just, I mean, I came out of my household. I guess we're going to do, we're going to do the cradle to the grave episode 
tonight on Street Fight. But I feel like I can't. Um, I'm writing actually because here's what's happening. So we're working on zines. The hustling zine is going to be done soon. It's getting wrapped up right now. We're going to get printed out. We are very behind on it. That's the November zine. Those are going to be mailed out soon. December zine is going to be a history zine. It's going to be fast. Yeah, that's it's coming up quick. Done. Yeah, yeah, it's almost done. So I'm writing it right now. I'm writing out like my full history of how I got to Street Fight. And I feel like when I left my parents' house, I had just no... I, I didn't really have any sense of who I was. I had no place to be myself. And I had such poor self-esteem and like negative thoughts that I was so beaten down, you know, and, and because I, rem- I, I writing through that, I remember like being when I was like 19 or 20 years old, I was on like mescaline and we were black Friday shopping and I was just like cutting it up all day long, just on these people. And one of my friends was like, Hey, you ever seen that show on MTV made? You should see if they'd make you into a comedian or some stand-up comedian, man. <laughs> that is a, like a really circuit, not circuitous route to stand-up comedy, but, but it is an, it, the worst way to go sure. about getting it. Sure. <laughs> but it I was, mean, it's a way. It's funny. Just I'll, I'll just say, like a lot of times, you'll make these goals that make your end goal impossible yeah yeah and that's one of those goals where you're like that's not the most practical way to get there because <laughs> yeah, like you could also just be like why don't you go to some stand-up or some open no. mic nights and try to do stand-up comedy no shortcuts man <laughs> short cutters i hang, out with, I, I hang out with short cutters <laughs> it's smart though but i remember the time thinking that's preposterous and and i really do regret like I regret not being in like theater or something when I was in like high school. I think I would have got a lot out of that and then doing stuff like that because I do like um, characters and voices and being like loud. And I like, I like, I like performing when we do like, you know, dancing around on stage and all that stuff. And I really didn't have a chance to do that just because it was so fucking repressed for so long. And it and just like beating that back took a lot of psychedelics. Yeah. <laughs> to do that, basically, to fucking yeah. just break the old brain and, like, get rid of it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the 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 getting involved in, in the comedy thing was, for me, like, I just. I well, it was never. I, yeah, it, it seemed impossible. impossible. Yeah, it didn't seem like it would go anywhere. I felt like even when we were doing the stand up, I was excited. But at the same time, I was I just was like, Brett, please be self-aware right now. Please isolate everything. Stop time and think about it. You're in the middle of Columbus, Ohio, and there aren't stand-up comedians being discovered here, you know? Yeah. Like, like I was practical about it, but I still enjoyed doing it. But it's always with, it was always with a tinge of, uh, you know, this isn't anything you can expect to do professionally. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I remember even doing the stand-up and thinking, everybody here is a comedian. Nobody gives a fuck what we're doing. And, and that that part of it was really disheartening to me because I thought me and you were uh, doing something very cool and different and yeah. new. And I think I had in my mind that we would show up to the open <laughs> mic nights yeah. and we would do this shit and all the comedians would be like, holy shit, what right. is this thing you guys are doing? And it would like start this new trend and this whole new thing and... And it would be this really cool Ohio comedy scene. And then we came and did our shit. And, and it seemed like they all, I mean, they didn't talk to us. Nobody came up to us and said, I dig what you're doing. And, and, 
and I've said this before, uh, that might also be me and Brett because we would sit at a table together and just bullshit and talk and, and smoke, go outside and smoke weed and come back in and sit down and talk. And, and maybe we weren't, uh, accessible to those people. Yeah. Maybe they, they thought we were dickheads and that it's good. It's a good possibility that, uh, it's a good possibility that me and you carried ourselves like assholes. Sure. Sure. But, uh, I'm an asshole. Yeah, me too. I'm just not approachable yeah. to people that don't listen to the show. If you're like a person that doesn't listen to Street Fight, you would be like this. <laughs> if you don't know my shit, if you don't know my shit already, then you're not going to fuck with me. I'm just, just not. I, no, I'm not saying don't fuck with me. I'm saying that like people just don't walk up to me right. because I right. don't look like a person that you would walk up to and talk to. I look like a real fucking asshole. Most like my head's down most of the time. I'm wearing a hat. You can barely see my fucking eyes. <laughs> I have headphones in all the time. Yeah. And just I'm, I'm mean. But also I knew that it was a waste of time. And I knew that when these comedians did their shows, their, their new live, their, their live shows, nobody was coming to those shows. They weren't selling tickets. I could see what the rooms look like when they were performing. Yeah. So I felt like, so no matter how successful we get at this, the possibility is nothing. Right. You know, if, if I climb this ladder and I cl do this thing and, and I do it all the right way, in the end of this, if I can't move to Los Angeles or New York, this isn't fucking happening. Right, right. You know? And I knew that, and that's why we went, I think, you know, we had a conversation. I, I, I wrote about this in mine about, so the comics knew that me and Brett were friends and that we drove together. And plus, like, we were writing for each other. Like, we were, I would write a joke, and if I thought it would be better coming out of Brett's mouth, I would just give it to Brett, and Brett would write a joke, and for me or we would like punch each other's shit up and stuff like that. So we were already writing together. And then we were going to this place and they knew we were together and we would sign up to go up on stage and there would be 22 comedians and they would have me go on first and him go on 22nd or something or, or the other way around. Neither one of those are spots you want to be on first fucking sucks because there's nobody there yet. And 22nd, everybody has already left. It's a waste of fucking time. Yeah. And I have to be there for that three hours while this thing is happening so that I can get on stage and not really be in front of anybody. Right. I wasn't getting any indication of what I was doing. So we went back and recorded the podcast. We, we decided to focus on podcasting because if you're in the middle of the country and there's not really a comedy scene, the only way to get an audience is online. That's it. Yeah. You know? um, one of the best moments of stand-up comedy that I've ever seen was uh, one time we were doing an open mic and this girl from a sorority showed up and like all of her sorority sisters and like their fucking parents. The place was so packed that night. It was fucking nuts. There's like maybe 40 people. Probably 40, yeah, classroom. You know, 30, 40 people in I there. I think I used to say 60, but I know what yeah. a big audience looks like now, and it probably wasn't that big. <laughs> and they were just ruining everybody's set and just even like chanting for the, the girl that they were going to see and to go in to see. And when Brian got up there, I don't even know what happened. Well, how did it happen? Well, first of all, they put her on late. Right. Because they wanted those people to be there for the whole show. Right. 
And those people were ruining the fucking show yeah. for everybody that went up. And yeah. I think I went up like 10th or 11th. And some fucking guy in a fucking white shirt. Polo. With white polo and a pair khakis. of khakis and a, a hat with a golf brand belt, on it. Motherfucking belt and everything. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he had like a Titleist hat or something yeah, like that. Yeah. He just said something to me and I... I don't remember what I said. You, no, you said, come up here. I'll fucking stab you. Yes, I did threaten to stab him. You said you would stab him. Yeah. And I was like, I that, think was, was, that was Brian's humor back then. It was. It was. I got that a lot when I would leave stage. People would be like, this motherfucker just went up there and said he does crimes. Right, right. Like, yeah, but it was funny. Right. Like, I still. Trying to be in a lovable way. Still. Just those jokes were funny. They and were. I like it. I, I, if I did that stand up do now, that. we should do it. People would think it was good. Like talking about watering we down. Open our own shows. <laughs> yeah. Old stand up sets. Talking. If I could find it, I would. Talking about watering down. Uh, talking about watering down my daughter's cough syrup so that I could use the rest of it to get high and stuff like that. Or like that joke I had about a lot of people say. That they like to smoke weed because it comes from the ground and it's really natural. But I like to do pills because weed has dirt on it. I mm. like the joke was that weed actually has dirt on it. And yeah. It's gross, and uh, I like that. Yeah, and uh, and and it, it came off so authentic that there was one time a guy that was actually there to enjoy the show. <laughs> Followed me outside and asked me to go smoke meth out of a light bulb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a good show. It was a good time. Yeah. It was just depressing because this is like you're looking at these guys who are spending three, four days a week going out and doing these the things. Same bad getting, five minutes. Getting it's the same five minutes, getting gacked up in the fucking bathroom and like just not. Oh, yeah. We, there was a guy that flipped out one time. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. was a guy when we went, he he um, was on shrooms or something, and he beat up the whole bathroom, like ripped the fucking toilet seat off and threw it at the fucking mirror. Yeah, yeah. And they Remember, kicked him out of stand-up comedy. <laughs> there, was <a> guy named Sp- <laughs> there was a guy named Spike one time that was yes. the same khaki sh- khakis guy. He looked like the funniest guy at a sports bar by a golf course. Yeah. yeah. Is the best thing Red that i can get no silver hair yeah and he came on stage and his whole five minutes was uh that he went to a japanese steakhouse like hibachi place and he did an impression of the guy that was cooking and like it was the most racist <laughs> like, i've seen in a five while. minutes yeah. that i've ever publicly. seen public yeah. racism and another really good experience there that made me think I was wasting my time was when that dude came in and all of his friends, they had a car outside and they were playing like really loud music and shit in the car. And like, they were all just having the best time of their life. And he came on stage and he told fucking street jokes for oh, yeah. fucking five minutes, just straight up guy walks into a bar, like sorts of thing. Yeah. And that fucking, his friends were there and they were fucking losing it yeah. to his stuff. Like he killed but it's just like remember Voodoo Dick? Yeah, that was Voodoo Dick. Oh, Wasn't Voodoo, Voodoo Dick, Dick the guy that did street? Yeah, yeah that yeah. was him. He was just doing straight up street jokes. Oh, I got Voodoo Dick and shit like that. And it was like, holy shit. So, you know, it felt like such a waste of time. It felt so stupid. And so street it wasn't, fight it wasn't a waste of time though. No, because I it taught us it wasn't because you got to get over that pain in your stomach that says you can't go and stand in front of people and talking to a microphone. Also taught us 
that what we were doing, because when there were legit fans, like comedy, like people who like comedy in the audience that were there just to see the comedy, they loved us. We always got laughs. And I just knew that what I was doing was funny. And I knew I, it made me, I guess it gave me the, uh, it gave me like a, a direction to move. It helped us move street fight. Like it helped us create street fight. Yeah, for sure. To be in a place where these guys were doing, uh, where, where first of all, you know, I was so annoyed with the other comics because I thought their material fucking oh, my was favorite bad. Bits ever was crazy. Larry's. There was this guy that used to do it. We used to go to this. We used to, we went to this for a solid six months, like two and three of them a week. Sometimes that we like pressure each other and be like, let's go to this one. This one we don't normally go to It'd be like two or three times a week. And we would hear this joke every single week, every single time without fail. Cause there was this guy doing it five times a week. He'd be like, you ever hear those commercials like crazy Larry's computers? Isn't that a little problematic? I mean, they're taking advantage of a guy that has a mental problem. <laughs> and he would do like a whole impersonation and everything. And every single week I would watch it. And I still can't believe that it was happening. You know what we really should do, though? I know we always say this when we're talking about like stand up and the times we did stand up. We should ha me and you should just go to an open mic night and watch it. At the very oh, least. Okay. Like, I don't have to go I, on stage. I would you do know it's more, more of my speed right now is what I'm thinking is uh, something akin to those, like, 8 a.m. sober raves. Maybe, like, a 6 a.m. first thought of the morning stand-up comedy set or something. Well, I could do over coffee. for you. For Brad. coffee and shit. <laughs> you just get up there at 6 a.m. and you start sipping a coffee and just whatever comes to your mind, you just kind of fucking roll it out. What's well, a real it's real fucked because we do want to get a space and I think an idea that I would have for the if we had a big like if we had an office that was in like say a garage area that was like kind of a small warehouse mm -hmm. that we could put a stage in uh I would love to do stand up shows there sure. I would love to do just me and you go up and try stand up every <laughs> once in a while but like I don't want to book comedians there ever uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know, like I never want to, I just working with other comedians, there's like seven that I want to work with, I think. And I've worked with them. <laughs> you, sure, you know sure, what I sure. mean? Like the people that I want to work with live, I want to work are the guys and girls that we work with live. Sure. You sure. know, like Kath and Rachel are really great. I would go, go on stage with them at any time. You know, the Chapo guys are really great. I'll go on stage with them anytime. Jack Allison, mm -hmm. uh, all these people. They're, they're like really cool people. And I would do comedy with them because I trust them. And yeah. I know they're funny and I know what they're going to do. But really subjecting your audience to stand-up co comedians seems like really mean. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. <laughs> I mean, we've we've had people, we've had venues like, put people on asked to put people on before us but Brent, one guy did good nate that one guy in dc did all right oh nate was great yeah, yeah. he's uh, one of the hosts of uh but he understands shit right yeah, yeah. like he's one of the hosts of uh what's crappy oat show called south paul's podcast yeah yeah right so like i knew he would be okay because he understands what we do right but i think there's a lot of comedians that would never be able to figure out what we do sure sure 
I am very excited about people reading the history of this thing. I, I think like there's a section in mine called Street Fight 2011 to 2015. I think when people read that and the story about my mom. Yeah, yeah. The which I can actually mom is good. tell now. It doesn't matter if you want to hear. Spoiler zine, man. Well, I mean, it's a good story though right. and it's like one maybe if we're gonna just do this yeah, now I'm fucking fine with it sell I, some let's sell some zines so this is this is gonna be in the zine and and like i i'm, I'm not gonna do it you get the whole story i'm not gonna go crazy about this i promise uh so back in the day when i was working at the cable company there was a period where i was a lead and i was doing really well at work and then i got switched to another supervisor and that guy didn't like me shit was going wrong and I was always bitching about my job, always complaining about my job, but always saying I wanted to do something else. And I'd listen to radio all the time. Everybody knew I was like this big fan of talk radio and shit sure. like that. My mom. Because uh, you were, were you constantly telling them about it? That's all I did. Dude. You were just telling them about you this guys bit you heard what they did on Opie and Anthony yesterday. Yeah. Oh, you would die. Like, and then Anthony like said this and, and mm. you know, it was just total obsession about it. Yeah. And my mom, uh, so ever since I was a kid, my mom's done this thing. And uh, it's something that I cannot do. I, I, I work so hard not to do I know. It. I wanted to do this to you, too. <laughs> yeah. I have one I could do for you. And when I read this, like, I really almost welled up. Like, when I read your story about this, I was like, that's so fucking sad. And I'm so glad I didn't do it because I told your wife about a gift I wanted to get and I couldn't give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> So what happens is my mom likes to tell me that there is something that I get like that she is going to get me something because she really likes the good feeling of saying I'm going to get you something. Yeah. Like right? what? The bike I want? You're going to get me that game system? It was really? Always, it was always clothes when I was in school. It was guest jeans. Oh, okay. It was one of them. Where it was just like, I really, really, really fucking wanted a pair of guest jeans. Ooh, I would want some right I would go for something no, right now. No, take some now. <laughs> yeah. Or and, one of the shirts with like the big gold placard on it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my mom was like... My, my mom would say it and I would get very excited and I would tell all my friends, we're just going to get a pair of guest jeans. But, you know, you say it, you get everything. Sure. Like she gets the whole experience. No, right? we, I mean, this happens, this happens to us too, where there's people that come to the show and they're like, I was going to do this totally amazing thing for you. I did it. And I'm like, ah, man, I, man, I don't know what to say. Like, I'm, you got me all revved up here. Right. <laughs> yeah. She didn't deliver. Well, yeah, but she gets the good experience. Yeah, so they get everything out of it. They get to see your face light up. You're sitting there like imagining it. You're like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And yeah. they're just eating it up. They're just sucking energy from you like a fucking vampire. They're just drawing it out of you. All of your joy. That's all they've wanted was that joy. And they just, yeah, suck the marrow out. So my mom uh, hangs out with just, she's in a program where you meet a lot of different types of people. Sure. And uh, she has just met every kind of person. You know what I mean? And uh, she goes to a wedding and she says she's sitting at a table with a guy named Rick Knight, who is the program director. Good name for, for it. What, yes, that was one of the reasons I was like, like that's Rick a real Knight. name. Like, that motherfucker. That could be in a movie. Yeah, that's a. That's a movie guy right there. That is, that's a real fucking radio guy, program director. And she's like, uh, I talked to him and I told him how funny you are and how much you love the radio. And he's going to call you. He wants to talk about, 
getting you in around the radio station. And like, I do not know why I believe that. Yeah. Like there was no reason for me to believe Yeah. that it was, there was a, a well, history of this stuff sure. and I'm 26 years old. Right. You should have known by now. Right. She knows how to hook you in. Right. But I knew that I, I, it's like what I wanted in this world yeah. was a job on the fucking radio being an entertainer. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm willing to do it. I'll quit my job. I'll fucking sweep the floors. I'll make their coffee. I'll screen the work calls. your way up. I'll mic row it. I'll fucking work my way up to the radio. Yeah. To get my own radio show. Yeah. I was just going around telling people like, I'm going to have you come on. <laughs> hey, I might have to pull you in <laughs> for some, some good bits. You know, when we were, no, during sweeps week, when we did grand slam, <laughs> we need you to do that Italian character that you do <laughs> on what? breaks. I need you to bring that to that, bring that energy to the studio. I wanted, I'd like it to feel like, uh, um, like a party on the radio. Yeah. You know, we play some songs. We'll come back. Everybody's like having fun. And people drinks. just want to be a part of this party. That's going to be so fun. It would have been a dog shit radio show at that time. Just, just gonna, when I think about it now, it's it like going to be a party. It was just going to be you like partying with a mic, like listening in me sitting in the seat and then having different people come on and be like, Oh, you're fucking crazy. What's going on, dude? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what's doing we get some good bits out of this i was like writing things down i was telling my girlfriend about bits that yeah. would be so good and uh so i checked every time i got home from work i checked to see if there was a message from rick knight on my fucking voicemail and there never was and i would start talking to my mom every time i talked to my mom she'd be like did he call yet right and I'd be like, uh, he didn't call. And she'd be like, I just recently talked to him. He said he's really busy and he's going to call you soon. And this just goes on for a year. You know, it's every couple times a month. She tells me he's going to call soon. That she's just heard from him. She just got an email from him. Um, he just contacted her. Now, let's, I want to reel it back a little bit and even say a million people want to be on the fucking radio. Every I now that I work as like a, a personality, right? Everybody thinks they're a fucking personality. Sure. Every sure. person in the fucking world, every person I talk to, are like, "Oh, fucking, I ought to crack a mic," you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like my father-in-law thinks he should be a radio personality. My my dad thinks he knows how to be a radio personality. So like, I uh. Why, why would I believe that? Plus, I don't have any experience. I have never done anything. I've never done stand-up comedy. I've never done radio. Right. I've never done a fucking thing in my life. I have no experience. And the only information he has about me is that my mom said I'm funny. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what they need. That's better than a resume. <laughs> but I couldn't. I couldn't accept that it wasn't real because it's a mind fuck to have your mom lie to you about something like that. Yeah. That's a really fucking weird mind fuck, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, one day I sent an email to this fucking guy 
like I found Wait, his what? email address. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like I went to uh, I went to the Wazoo's website and I found Rick Knight. I so he was real. Rick Knight. Yeah, he was the real dude. Okay. Okay. I don't know how she. I, so she, she could have met, met him. Right. Yeah, I really think she could have met him and then made up a cool story in her mind. Yes, and which uh, her I again yeah. it could have been. She could, all that stuff could have happened. All that she told him I was talented or something like that. Like any of that stuff could have happened, but he did not. Right. I know he didn't respond in any way about like, I'm going to hire this guy whose right. mom says he's very funny. Right, right. <laughs> Bring him in. I, and again, like how many people right. are trying people going to, to get college. this? Yeah. People have already worked, like, people have years of experience, like, doing college radio and shit, are ready to slot right in <laughs> yeah. to anything and willing to work their way up. I'm a cable guy. Right. Right. <laughs> that listens to the radio. But you watch day. a lot of movies, so you just think that this is how things happen sometimes. Right. Maybe, maybe a lowly cable guy like me could one day be a big <laughs> radio star. <laughs> People have to move across the country to work in yeah, radio. Yeah. You, you don't just get a job in your hometown and get to be on the radio. And, and like what I thought was going to be like a nine o'clock at night time slot yeah, or something yeah, like that. Let me take over. <laughs> take over the late show. Let's do it. Somebody in the chat said, hey, Tommy, bring me the mom guy. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, we need to sort of spice this place up. Somebody whose mom thinks they're funny. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know anybody who Which gets... Which we need more moms listening to this. Oh, you know what? I was just talking to a mom. <laughs> just at a wedding. I was sitting at a table with a mom, and she fucking... She said her son is funny. Hilarious. She says like, hilarious. It's the top reference you could get, right? Yeah. I wrote her number. I wrote his number down. I'm going to call him. the fucking guy? So, yeah. What did you say in the email? Oh, my God. And that's the part that always makes it. That's where I feel the, like you it, have I could Gmail? never get that. Because it was probably a, like a hotmail account maybe. right 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 right. you know yeah i mean th thankfully there's a lot of stuff that's gone off the internet yeah <laughs> my, my early internet career somehow didn't make it which is great <laughs> yeah great. so it was like a hot it was like a hotmail account but i i i or it might have been even like my first roadrunner mail account or like a fucking net zero account right you know right. it was on dial-up internet and uh but it it does have like I know you probably don't know who I am, but I my mom said that she spoke to you about giving me a job in radio. Okay, that's fair. That's establishing why why you're emailing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I said it. You know, it just went through the whole story about I it's really always been my do. dream. Yeah. But the weird way to end it was like, just please tell me if my mom was lying or that's not. What you said, yeah. <laughs> Please end this madness for me. Please. I just, think I got hoodwinked again. I need you to just confirm it 100% for can, me. Can you please tell me 
if my mom is lying to can you get in the middle of this relationship with a man and his mother sorry you know that lady you met yeah she's a lot more than you expected she's a handful (laughs) you probably now you gotta deal with her son yeah you probably should should, shouldn't have been the dumbest thing you ever did was be nice to that woman (laughs) yep yep you fucked up bad then yeah i had um mine this will compare the experiences I wanted to be a tattoo artist when I was out of first out of school. Like when I was like first got my job at the warehouse and I was like, Oh no, like I can't do this. Right. I was like, Oh no, I can't do this forever. So I wanted to be a tattoo artist. And my dad knew people because where he worked at, he worked at a brick lane place. So lots of people tattooed there. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's like, I'm going to give you this guy's number spider Mike. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And I call it sounds him, like somebody making up a yeah, tattoo I know. artist, you know? I know. But he's just so old. Like it was that easy back in the day. I mean, the original Atari games were just called like the shit that they were, you know? It was like racing was the first video games, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh but uh, I call him and he's like, uh, yeah, your dad said you did tattoos. I'm like, no, I need to learn. I'm trying to, you know, I have some art I can show you a portfolio. He's like, I need someone to do tattoos this weekend. And I'm like, <laughs> That's not going to be me. I'm not comfortable doing tattoos. <laughs> I think he was like, you know, nut up or shut up. Like, come in here and start scratching, man. <laughs> like, and no. you had to be like, Mom, no, no. Well, I've never a, done I a tattoo. A, I had to do my rap speech. I have a deep honor and respect for the art of tattooing, and I sh- won't pick up the machine without the proper training. <laughs> that I mean, that was a good answer, though. Yeah, yeah. Like being telling a, a tattoo artist well, that you have a deep respect for tattooing. I didn't say that. I did not say <laughs> that's that. that's what you should have no, done. I'm no. not a cornball. You should have been Spider a cornball. Mike, he would have beat me up because he would have reached for that are, phone and strangled me. <laughs> tattoo guys are corny, though, right? No, no these. My, no, these were like the dangerous kinds. Like these are oh, the people okay. that don't give the. They, these these were tattooing for people that don't give a fuck what it looks like. You oh. know, <laughs> yeah. it's like a, a, a the uh, purple outline of a naked lady. <laughs> exactly. Like that Fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a memory. Like yeah, biker shit. It was yeah. bikers. So it was Spider like Mike. <laughs> it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like doing uh, like te- neo traditional flash or like. You know, experimental watercolor ink and shit. It was. <laughs> you are going to learn just, glow in the dark. You're right. Uh, you're going to write Pam on some guy's arm. <laughs> God damn. But the thing is. I could have. I should have done that. I mean, I could have done. I could have definitely went down that route. Right. Well, in the end. Right. That's the kind of connection. That's the kind of like connections my fa- my family. It's my family ties. <laughs> connection to tattooed bikers. So um, I could. I had a decent scholarship to get in, but I turned that down. Just so you know, what led me to podcasting. I turned down. <laughs> you know, something I could have traveled with them. And I just know. every town, I could have wrote down new names of lot lizards. They met. Yeah. Ethel. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a, someone's mom's name. Yeah. Maybe somebody's dad's I'll name. I'll do skulls. I'll do those real cool skulls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Smiley face, Tasmanian devils. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you probably did some Tasmanian devils. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Devil babies too. Yeah, yeah. And it was like for me, uh, it ended up I think maybe being good because in the end, that's what made me look into podcasts and mm. then start thinking about doing a podcast because I, I, I think I decided, well, if nobody's ever gonna 
if I'm never going to get a job in radio, I'll just do it myself as a hobby. And it'll be like a cool, funny thing I do with my friends. And who knows, maybe it can take off someday. Sure, sure. And that's what got me started podcasting was thinking. When was this? This was in 2006, maybe 2007. It was just really, it was early on in podcasting. I listened to a few fucking shows and was like oh yeah you know i always like talk radio anyway yeah yeah so it did it was just yeah it was switched on the same for me yeah i was listening to like a lot of uh right-wing radio like in an angry way yeah and then it was like once i started for so for me my transition was i got a microsoft zune which was like the competition for the ipod yes because i didn't want a fucking apple product i just read a whole fucking thing about the zune and a book i loved I have it called epic fails i did like it <laughs> they but, said it was actually as good or better than the ipod but it didn't wasn't enough better right that people were willing that's to true switch. it was comparable yeah that's exactly what it was it felt it was sleek and it had all this stuff but it had podcasts on there and I watch a lot of video podcasts in the beginning, and I was just blown away because the sets were really cheap and the budgets were very small, but people were making shows, and it felt like er- early, like public access or like cable and stuff, where uh, anybody can could get involved with it. And it got to the point, and and that's actually and when I started, I found like, oh yeah, dude, which I still listen to. Yeah, um, I think that it's going to be an amazing experience because I'm going to listen to them for the rest of my life and. See, they, they, I think they're going to do it till the end. So I'm going to see through their whole experience. And I've been doing it now since 2006 when they started their show. Yeah. I've listened to them from the beginning. And uh, it's really fucking neat to have that going on. But that was what inspired me was I was talking to people at work all the time, having more fun on break, just like trying to break the tension of how awful the work was. And being like, man, if we recorded some of this shit, I think that somebody would think it was funny, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and my thing was like hearing it was really funny. And and this is this is the thing that you can kind of thank Brett for more than anything is that like my first couple shows were I was consider myself like a host and a straight man sort of thing. Like I was the most. No- which is, this is how weird I am as a human. I thought I was the most normal person in the room. Like yeah. the thing about the show would be, oh, here's this like really normal guy that hangs around with all these fucking weird people. Sure. And then, uh, you know, it took bringing Brett in to be like, you're a fucking weirdo, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Every, nothing you do is normal. Yeah. Like, your entire life is upside down from other people. You have zero self-awareness. And, yeah. and like, that's what made me decide to start trying to be funny on the radio. Like that was when I was like, I'm, I'm funny. Right. I can be the funny guy. Sure. Sure. You know? <laughs> so like, yeah, that, that was kind of like, so it's a pathetic that was a change yeah it it is a pathetic story about my mom but in the end she did inspire me to do something which then turned into this yeah so um, you know i do make a living but it is i i gotta tell you people out there but i mean that's what i mean that's you know this whole the whole like people that are trying to do something like this like like me and Brett, if you're a listener that like has a podcast that's really small or something like that, and you're trying to get it to build and you're trying to make a living doing it, uh, that you have to just take every single chance. Like every time there is an opportunity, you have to take it and seize it 
and try as hard as you can because I'll say this when 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 the Chapo guys hit and they started doing their thing and all those people were listening and they started saying we came from you know we started with street fight the street fight guys put us onto this and you know go and listen to the street fight guys me and Brett knew that this show like had to change and get better we didn't just sit back and keep doing what we had been doing for 5 years we said how does this thing get better how does this get funnier what is our fucking place in this world where there's more podcasts in this circle now where it's like okay so the chapo guys are talking about pundits they know all the pundits they're very funny and they're great at doing that so let's not do that anymore because we had dabbled in that kind of shit in the past you know we talked about josh barrow and and shit like that and then the sams they start doing news and politics and we're like i don't even want to fucking talk about politics i don't want to talk about the news so, you know, that's when we went back to where we started and we started talking about work and what it's really like to live on the street. I mean, when you look at the name Street Fight, it really is like street level news. I want people to talk about I want people to talk about uh, what's happening in their life so we can get an idea of what like a, an everyday life is. Yeah. And I want me and Brett to talk about what's happening in our everyday life. What are our struggles with paying bills? What's it, how much money is in your bank account right now? And what are you dealing with? I think that that kind of stuff is, is news too, in a way. And that's the kind of thing we cover. And unfortunately the call-in show didn't work, but the call-in show is reporting. I consider every caller that calls into that show and talks about what their life is like. That's work. That's like a, a job. I, I, it, not a, it's not a job for them, obviously, but it is, it is telling me what a regular person's life looks like out there and, and their helplessness and their struggles and their joy and their triumphs. And, and what they've been able to take back from capitalism. Like this is a record of what happened at this time yeah. in capitalism. And, and, and like, I'm glad that we were, I, I'm glad we found that, but there, it could have just as easily just been like, just keep doing what we're doing. Just keep doing what we're doing. And we could have just kept doing what we were doing, doing a little bit of this, doing a little bit of that, doing a little bit of this. And we didn't. And the show took off. And that was how that that was kind of how it picked up. And and I think that like I have talked to a lot of people who try to do entertaining shit. And I've talked to people who try to do stand up at, at our shows and stuff like that. And like when they start telling their stories, they talk about these opportunities they had where they said, oh, you know, I couldn't really do it because I couldn't get there. I couldn't really do. My dad tells a famous story. Uh, well, my friends all went to Woodstock, but, uh, I had to work and I was like, yeah. where were you working? He was like Lazarus, which is Macy's. And I'm like, why didn't you just like quit and go yeah. to Woodstock? Yeah. <laughs> and I just, that was, you know, uh, Philadelphia show with the Chapo guys, that first DNC thing, we were bringing in $800 a month on Patreon. Yeah. And we somehow said we need to fucking get there and we need to do this because this is important. And we did it and we fucking pulled it off, man. And uh, we slept in uh, Matt Ramone's fucking house. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's important. All five, that people... Everybody from Chapo <laughs> yeah. and Street Fight. All five of us. I think it's important that people understand that there are 
the, like every teeny tiny little thing that you get asked to do that happens along the way means something. If, if somebody asked me to do their podcast, I'm like, oh, we only have like 300 people listening, but it's like, I'm not just doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. I'm a, I, I feel like if you want me on your show, then that's an important enough reason for me to make time and to be on your show, uh-huh. you know? And I just do it. I do it all the time because I don't want to be a fucking asshole. You know what I mean? I don't want to be a person that, that you know, gets up there. But I, I just, I really think well, that yeah. a lot of people, uh, and you take every opportunity. And, and, and when you do, like, if you're doing a podcast, if there's going to be a time where you have more listeners, if you're going to have me on per se, or you're going to have Will or Felix or Matt on, they'll do a lot of podcasts too, you know? If you're going to have something like somebody like them on, then make sure that show is fucking great. Make sure the sound quality is good. Make sure the show that comes after that is fucking great. Make sure the sound quality is good. Don't do anything annoying. And that is how it happens. It's just a slow climb, and every chance you get to get into more people, you have to work really fucking hard to make sure that time is going to be good because you really, with most people with a podcast, you get like one or two chances maybe. And then they're gone. Yeah. Because that's how I am. Well, yeah. And I got to say also to people that, uh, you know, it's hard to be young and, you know, uh, not know and be impatient. And you want things to, to change quick. And uh, I, you know, when we started this thing, I was 26 years old and I am now turning 35 this year. So um, at the time, I think I think what we did best is I think we grew at a rate that was appropriate, you know, where. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't, we were doing the show in the beginning in a spare time after work and stuff. And it was that amount of amount of amount of work that we did. And throughout the years, you know, you know, we, we asked for money for a website, like five or six years into doing the show. We asked for someone to just straight up pay for it because I didn't want to have to do it myself anymore. That was a big step. And, you know, now we have much bigger problems and the money's a lot larger and the government's on our back more. And, uh, but your problems get bigger and bigger and bigger, but they start out very small and you know, when it, whatever it is like hobbies and shit, if you do them in your part time, you know, where you spend your, it's a, it is a world of action where you spend your time is, you know, where you're going to end up, you know, spending your time around musicians and doing band shit will probably land you in a band, but, yeah. and you, and you know, and, and I'll tell you what, if I was still, if I, cause like right now, let me think the amount of money that we're making it's not more than what I was making when we started the show. I think I was making 35,000 when I, we started the show. Mm-hmm. And if I was still making 35, 40,000 and we did the show once a week and there was no requirements of shipping or doing any of the other stuff besides just doing it as a hobby, I would be, I would have been completely okay with yeah, that. I said you that know? I've said that too. I don't, I don't think this show would have ended if it didn't become our job. It may yeah. have got cut back. A we little got a bit chance if I was being a teacher or something like right, that. Right. We got, I, we got a, we got a big chance that we took, but um, <clears throat> part of any creative or, you know, entrepreneurial type endeavor like that, it's just time, really time spent. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be, you want to get, you, the more time you do it, the more of a professional you become. I also, you know? a thing I want to say to people that might be thinking about doing something like this also, this is just something that I, I've said to a lot of like younger people that are doing this. The Chapo model of success isn't what you think it was. 
like it wasn't these guys do a podcast and it's really successful like yeah. in one night and then they just do it these were guys like they had felix had a huge following i think before it was like that 30 show. or sixty thousand yeah. some people that you're putting you're <clears throat> debuting in front of right and and the thing i like to tell people is their success was not the prime prime way it's not typical yeah and it's probably not the way you want it to happen like i you want it to ha- i'm sh- they're happy right i'm not saying they're they're not happy with but they had to learn in front of all those fucking people with all that kind of scrutiny we were very lucky to not have to learn that shit you know what i like we were we were very lucky that we did it in obscurity yeah and got good so that when people came to us, we were right, good. We're already good. Yeah. And like, uh, I think there's a lot of people who think that their model is the way that it works. And Just, it's like, not only is that like not the way it works, but it's also not the best way it's the most for it to happen. Yeah. And what's the best way? I would prefer that over well, any other way, to be honest. Well, I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> but it's not the best way for like, it's not the best way to learn how to do what you're doing. I guess sure. is how I feel. But, you know, I yeah, I would like to have all the money. That would be great. But, yeah. you know, they're sweet guys. And uh, like like I've said earlier, they were, uh, they, I mean, they helped us a lot in the beginning. We helped them, though, too. We're sweetie pies. So, you know, whatever. Uh, but, yeah. So, uh, I'm going like to go home now. Street Fight? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a history. You, when you read the uh, zine, though. You're going to get like my version of the history and Brett's version of the history. And I think when you read how different we are, you're going to be very like, oh, I didn't know there were that different. <laughs> I've always felt like sense. me and you need to. We, we The people on the West Coast, I got enough comments on the West Coast that I think people know the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Brett loves comedy. I do love comedy. That's I think that's what that you said a, to me. You sent me a text and you were like, yeah, if I read your thing. And you were like talking about how much you despise stand-up comedy and jokes and all this stuff. And then I was like, the first thing I want to write on this page is I have loved comedy ever since I was a kid. <laughs> I just, look, when I say I don't like jokes, obviously I like jokes. Like, like the way I tell them and the way sure. my friends tell them. But I don't like sing-songy sure. stuff. That's what stand-up comedy to me always seems so sing-songy. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, thanks for listening tonight. I, we wanted to do a little long. I wanted to do a longer show since we couldn't do the call-in show. And I'm fairly certain that some people depend on that three hours of radio. Yeah, I know they need it. Like I did. I threw a commute. That's another thing. I can tell you another like secret little behind the scenes, like thing with us is that, um, when I was a kid back in, uh, when I was a teenager and when I was really into talk radio, I used to get furious that uh, I used to get very furious that they would take these really long vacations. These, uh, these fucking like three and four week vacations Howard Stern would take and play best ofs. And, uh, that's why we have two shows. (laughs) That's why the show's always, there's always something on the feed. And, uh, we're taking a three week vacation this year. And, uh, late june early july and there will be shit on the feed three shows all three of those weeks on the feed but i gotta take some time my mans i gotta take that time and uh i love you people good night yeah thanks for listening to the show if you want to send us mail we're p.o box 82306 columbus ohio 43202 uh send us something and uh 
we will share it on the live stream here. Uh, you can also get a hold of us, streetfightradio at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff as well, at WCRS. We have bonus content. If you want to watch uh, the Fire Festival video, the Hulu one, we watched that. We did Kitchen Nightmares. Um, I've been working on my Adobe Premiere, which is video editing software. I've been working on that. I'm going to get a Los Angeles video soon. I even adjusted the colors, like the white balance and shit, so that it looks good. Right. On. We got the audio from the board, so it's not all fucking maxed out and everything. Hey, let me just say this. The three-week vacation will have three new shows. Well, they will have new shows, by the way. Okay. It might be co-hosts. It might be guest hosts. It might be me and Brett doing something fucking weird, but they will not be best ofs. They will be new fucking material. We will never leave you three weeks without stuff. Okay. We're too nervous to do that. We think we'll, you'll forget about us when we're gone. And But we need a break. We've never taken a vacation. True. Street fight, eight years, no days off. We're taking three weeks off. We don't get tired. Uh, street fight, uh, you can also support the show. Patreon, like I said, $5 a month. Live shows, copies of the zines, and bonus audio, mostly Brian talking to other people. I did a interview with the Art and Labor podcast, though, recently, so there is lots going on. You got to get in there. You got to give us your support. That way that we can grow this organization horizontally enough that we smash all hierarchies across the flat earth. Um, we also have t-shirts available. They are union-made and union printed they are at store.streetfightradio.com we have pro gumball shirts we have anti-gumball shirts we have lonnie tunes t-shirts go check them out store.streetfightradio.com i'm also working on getting the zine library back up there so right now we've got three or four up if you're looking for hard copies of the back issues of the zine there are a lot coming your way um i have more information on that coming on monday also if you want to join me on my live uh, live streams, I do Instagram ones a couple of times a week, usually in the morning after the gym. So if you're usually bored between 7 and 9 o'clock, check me out. I'll be on Instagram at StreetFightWCRS. You'll get a notification and all of that. Um, thanks for tuning into the show, supporting what we do, continuing this thing. We will see you later this week. We're Street Fight. Peace. of my mind lying by the side of the road I couldn't stop for too long cause I felt that I was getting old have to move real fast now, speed out from under the shroud I found a place for my love here and the ticking and the talking is loud I say it loud